Amen. All right. Good to see you each here tonight. We're going to go to 1 Peter chapter 5. 1 Peter chapter 5, if you would. You know, once in a while, um, somebody, sometimes people take a, a special interest in my heritage and where I came from and how I was saved. And after uh, my dad was here the last time and preached and gave testimony uh, for the will, uh, he's just he's kind of gotten a burden for the Amish, been talking about it. And he wanted an Amish hat, a real, real Amish hat. And they're not easy to come by. Uh, that's something you have to know where to go. Of course, he had found a good source. But, um, and I've seen thousands of men in Amish hats, but I've never seen a black man in an Amish hat. So I thought, you know, it's going to be worth it for me to actually buy that to see it. And so I have tonight, brother, I got a hat right here. This is authentic. comes from Pennsylvania. Only place. you got to come up here for it, though. And uh, just try that thing on right there. See how that works for you. <laughs> That's uh, something off my bucket list right there. All right. Now, you are not... If you, if you cock it like that, that's not correct. No, no, straight. There you go. And now that you're Amish, you have to sit over there and your wife sit over there because you can't sit together. You have to separate. <laughs> you're welcome. I appreciate that. All right. First Peter chapter 5. And uh, we'll get to the word tonight. Aren't you glad we can still laugh in the house of God? Amen. And uh, enjoy one another. First Peter chapter 5. God designed the Christian life to move from grace to to grace and continuing in grace. We're saved by grace, but we also need uh, sanctifying grace, serving grace, sacrificing grace, and we need that every day of our lives. Grace is especially important for times of difficulty. Now, I don't know if, if all you got to do is turn on the news and you see the need for some grace today, don't we? I mean, in our lives and those around us, in our nation, in any difficulty, grace is like a dependable foundation in which we can rest. Now, grace will strengthen us, it'll settle our faith, so that we can survive the storms of life. It is the source of hope when we are going through trials, and it helps us to view the Word of God properly. God does lead us through trials with the goal of building us and strengthening our faith all through His grace. We have to learn uh, to view problems in the light of that divine purpose. God wants to build us uh, with through his grace in our faith. Let's read, if we would, here first. Uh, actually, I'm in Psalms. I guess i got to leave where Pastor was and go to where I need to go. First Peter chapter 5, verse number 10. But the God of all grace, who hath called us unto his eternal glory by Christ Jesus, after that ye have suffered a while, make you perfect, establish, strengthen, settle you. To him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. Uh, to, <laughs> hate to use that word dominion in any setting, but we'll use it because it came from the Bible tonight. <laughs> but uh, Verse 12. Uh, By Silvanus, a faithful brother, unto you as I suppose, I have written briefly exhorting and testifying that this is the true grace of God wherein ye stand. Uh, let's pray, Father. I thank you for this evening that we have and these few minutes you give us now. I pray that you'd help us to see from your word an encouragement to help us in our faith through your grace. We pray in Jesus' name, amen. Uh, we live in a time in a world characterized by uh, worry, by hurry, by anger, by a lot of bitterness that's going back and forth. 
Uh, we are obviously uh, in a broken world. And in the brokenness and the busyness around us, God, uh, is, his intention is that we live in peace and rest. Now that's hard to do in times like this. Uh, it's hard to do when, when it seems like things are falling apart. How do we maintain our peace and rest? Well, that comes through his grace. He intends us to grow in his grace. And, uh, of course, we have to do that every day of our life. Every, every step that we take as we follow the Lord, every trial that we survive, uh, challenges us and uh, really should grow the peace and grace and joy that we have in our life. Now, we're saved solely and completely by God's grace. For by grace are you saved through faith, not of yourselves, not, as of, not of works. But we grow and mature as believers, not through our strength, but through the grace of God. I want to look tonight at how kind of one of the ways or a couple of the ways that grace can help us achieve spiritual rest in a chaotic world because we need it. I need it. And uh, I think it'll be a help to us. Number one, grace for suffering. During difficult times, grace is always available to us because of the evil that's in our world. And there is a lot of evil in our world. And because we live in a sin cursed world, uh, opposition is always there. Uh, some people don't understand why it comes, uh, and, and they don't realize uh, that why they have to face it. And then there's the opposition who does not appreciate the stand that we take for the Word of God. And the, the, their problem is, their main focus is instead of on, which is our dedication to God, is on their opposition to God. And it seems like we're constantly dealing with that kind of conflict, not only outside the four walls of the church, but sometimes within the four walls of the church. And so, how do we have peace and, uh, and, and uh, tranquility during these times. Grace helps us stand our ground when opposition attacks. When a wicked world, remember when Noah was building the ark, it was a wicked, wicked world. Even beyond what we know today, Noah had lived in a wicked time. And you think of the fact that he was building an ark all those that time, over a 100 years, building this ark, and the, imagine the opposition he would have faced. Imagine the, how people would have made fun of him. Imagine the newspaper articles around Noah's uh, project that he had going on there. How did he keep going? Well, Genesis chapter 6, verse 8 tells us, but Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. And that grace kept him going. Noah was so close to God that God's favor meant more to him than man's favor. And so God's favor on him, God's grace on him, outweighed all the opposition he was facing in the world. Never get over the fact that God has showered his grace on you. Not only when he saved you, but he continues to do so in our daily Christian life. And so never allow suffering or opposition to have us turn our back on God. We have to, at those times, are the most important for us to stay the course and not sway from it when we face that opposition. Uh, we, we face satanic attacks. James chapter 4, verse 7. Submit yourselves, therefore, to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. We need grace to face satanic opposition. Uh, there's a real devil who is out there, and he is actively seeking to devour and destroy. That's what he wants to do to each and every one of us. He wants to devour us, he wants to destroy us, and he wants to render us completely useless for the work of God. He does not want you to glorify God with your life. He does not want you certainly to grow in grace in those things. He, he, he promises a lot of things, but his pay is horrible. He promises honor, but pays with disgrace. 
He promises pleasure, but pays with pain. He promises profit, but pays with loss. He promises life, but pays with death. And we could go on and on in the list of things Satan promises, but he never delivers on those. He's a liar. Uh, turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 12, if you would. 2 Corinthians chapter 12. And we see an example here where Paul, of course, this is uh, probably a very well-known passage to you. We talk, we refer to it often because it's so uh, helpful for us in this day and age, in our life. Paul had a problem. He, had a, he calls it his thorn in the flesh. Have you ever had a thorn in the flesh? <laughs> I actually have one time. I was chasing cows. Cows are the dumbest creatures on the face of the planet. And I was chasing one, trying to bring it into the barn one night. I was about, I don't know, 12 years old. And I was not looking. I was on a hill. And I was, uh, just to steady myself, I put my hand on a thorn tree. A tree, I don't even know what kind of tree those are, but the ones that have thorns all up and down. And I put my hand on it, and as soon as I put my hand on it, leaning on it, it stung me, and so I jerked my hand away and fell in to this tree, and I had a thorn stuck right in. I actually had to have surgery to where the guy had to cut it out because it went pretty deep into my chest. And uh, that thorn in the flesh is it's pretty painful. It's not something that I would ever want to do again. Even after he took it out, there was a lot of pain while it healed up. And so that's what Paul calls this, a thorn in the flesh. Now, God uh, allowed Satan to attack Paul in this way. Verse 7. We're in 2 Corinthians 12. And lest I should be exalted above measures through the abundance of the revelations, there was given to me a thorn in the flesh, the messenger of Satan to buffet me, lest I should be exalted above measure. For this I besought the Lord thrice that it might depart from me, and he said unto me, My grace, there it is, is sufficient for thee. My strength is made perfect in weakness. And then Paul says, Most gladly, therefore, will I rather glory in my infirmities than the power of Christ, that the power of Christ may rest upon me. How? How could he say that? Glory in his infirmities? We complain in our infirmities often. That's easy. But glory, how? The grace of God. My grace is sufficient for thee. And that's something Paul needed to have continue in his life. Uh, verse 9 clearly teaches that uh, that God is not, it's not his will to always heal his children. Sometimes it's not God's will to take that problem out of your life. Sometimes he wants you to uh, keep it so that you might get a Christ-like humility. And that's what Paul said, that that's why, <coughs> lest he should be exalted above measures. Our focus, I guess, is always, usually anyway, for God to remove the thorn. And God's focus might be to improve his child. And so... We need to allow him to do that through us. God used Paul's thorn in the flesh to teach him the power and importance of grace. My grace is sufficient for thee. Someone said it, put it this way, it, it's better sometimes to ask for a stronger back rather than a lighter load. We're always asking for a lighter load, and sometimes we need to pray that God gives us a stronger back to handle the load that he gives us. Grace will help you overcome uh, the evil one. And then there's not only satanic attacks, but personal afflictions. Afflictions happen to everyone. Everyone has affliction. Bad things happen to good people. Uh, you go back to the book of Job, and you find that Job was a mature Christian. He was a godly man. In fact, he was the godliest man of his time. But that did not isolate him from physical suffering. It did not isolate him from pain. And uh, so we have to recognize these things are going to come into our lives. I love 1 Corinthians 10.13, though. There's no temptation taken you, but such as is common to man. That's one thing to remember. 
I always use that verse in dealing with teenagers because one of the devil's lies to teenagers, does this for adults too, is that you're the only one going through this. You are some kind of weirdo because you're dealing with this in your life and you're, you're an oddball. Satan tries to defeat us like that, but there, the Bible says there's no, no temptation such as is common to man, but God is faithful who will not suffer you to be tempted uh, above that you're able, but with that temptation also make a way to escape that you may be able to bear it. So we can, if, when our hearts are aching, when there are hurts and slights and tribulations and afflictions in our life, we have a choice. We can allow those things to draw us closer to God or we can allow those things to drive us away from God. That's our choice that we have to make. I love this story. I think I've told this story here before, but uh, in her book, uh, the Hiding Place, Corrie ten Boom told of her imprisonment in the Nazi German death camp, uh, Ravensbrück. And she, was, she and her sister were both there. And uh, her sister Betty and her were in an overcrowded uh, barrack. It was infested with fleas. And her sister was complaining about it one day, and Corrie ten Boom says, now wait a second, we have to thank God for it, because it says in everything give thanks. And so uh, how in the world could you give thanks in for fleas, and yet they did. They both thanked God for the fleas. Corey Ten Boom said, there's no way that even God could make me thankful for a flea. But she did. She thanked him for it. Later they found out that their barracks was the only one on the whole camp that the guards would not go into because of the fleas. And therefore they had a Bible that they had smuggled in and they were able to have Bible studies in those barracks and it was a place the guards never bothered uh, the, there, was a, there was safety in the fleas, although I'd rather get safety another way, but that's how it happened there. And we can be thankful for these things. Now, God has a reason for everything that he puts into our lives. We don't always see it, but let's be thankful for it. So grace for suffering. It takes grace, by the way, to recognize that. And when I'm, when I'm going through a struggle or I'm going through a conflict, man, I've got to ask God to, to not be angry, to not be bitter, to not take retribution. God, you've got to give me your grace here. And, and you've got to just pour this on me because I can't do this on my own. And I tell you how many times he has. He comes through because uh, he, he blesses us with that grace. Not only for suffering, but for strengthening. Uh, scripture repeatedly, in, all throughout the Bible, contrasts our strength versus God's strength. Every time we rely on our strength, we fail. Every time we rely on God's strength, we succeed. Just as we go to the gymnasium, some people do, I don't need to, but some people go to the gymnasium to, to strengthen their muscles. Uh, they, we need to work our spiritual muscles as well. Increase our faith in God's grace. Now I want to look at the relationship between his grace and our faith. There's a completion of our faith. Look at what Peter says uh, back here in, on our, in our text. In verse number 10, uh, turned away from it here, verse number 10, but the God of all grace who hath called us into his eternal glory by Christ Jesus, after that you have suffered a while, make you perfect. Now, what does that mean? Does that mean without sin? No, we know that in the Bible, when it uses the term perfect, we're talking about completeness. We're talking about lacking nothing. Is your faith complete or are you still growing as a Christian? In the last day's newsletter, it talks about a group of tourists visiting a picturesque 
European village, little village, and they had seen all kinds of wonderful sights. They had seen castles and cathedrals, and they weren't impressed with this little village. And so kind of sarcastically, one of the tourists asked an old man that was seated by a fence, uh, asked, was there any great men born in this village? And he says, nope, just babies. And just stay with me, okay? Great men aren't born, babies are born, they become great men, all right? But the you, no one's born spiritually strong. No spiritual giants are just that way. They're saved and they're a spiritual giant. doesn't happen that way. It takes time. It takes growth. We have to grow in grace to achieve what God has in store for us. The faith that you received at salvation is not sufficient to take you through life. You need more. You need to continually get God's grace in your life. Salvation is a miracle of the moment, but Christian maturity is a work of a lifetime. It'll take for us to get that. So the completion and then the establishment of our faith. In 2 Thessalonians 2.16, Now our Lord Jesus Christ himself and God, even our Father, which hath loved us and hath given us everlasting consolation and good hope through grace, comfort your hearts and establish you in every good word and work. God wants our faith to be certain and sure. David said in Psalm 57.7, My heart is fixed, O God, my heart is fixed. I will sing and give praise. The church today needs established Christians who exhibit characteristics of mature faith. Now, we want... I, I heard, uh, I think it was at the conference Jeremy and I were at, the, the, one of the preachers said that every church needs three types of people. Those who don't know how to dress, those who kind of know how to dress, and those who know how to dress. Uh, simply saying, you need all levels of Christianity. We don't want everybody to look the same. If everybody at our church looks exactly the same, then we got a problem. We're not doing our job. We need to go out and get more people in, people who don't know how to act in church. That's okay. We need to bring them in too. That They're the ones that need the Lord the most. But, but we do need established people. That's why we have discipleship. That's why we teach from the Word of God, and that's why we try to uh, to try to educate as much as we can from the Bible, encourage people to study the Bible on their own, make resources available for those things because we need established established children of God, Christians. Uh, young Christians or immature Christians can often be fickle. Uh, they can be in, undependable. And uh, so we need to have those established Christians and that's what we ought to be working towards. Uh, that happens through grace. Now, when our faith is not established, our prayers will not be answered. James 1, 7, For let not that man think he shall receive anything of the Lord. will be unstable. He goes on to say a double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. If we're unstable and our prayers aren't answered, then we're going to start to drift away from God. Grace is what abounds and establishes that faith. We all need God's grace. By the way, we need to have grace with one another either. Also, I should say, uh, you know, sometimes we can be very impatient with people because they're not where we are. Well, God has grace for them. How about we have grace for them too? Have some patience and help and teach and put your arms around somebody, encourage them and, and help them to uh, get to the next level in their Christian life. There's strengthening of our faith. What does it mean to have a strong faith? A strong faith is simply one that's not shaken by circumstances. Uh, it was a faith. Hebrews 11 talks about it clearly, but it was the faith of Noah that helped him to build for a hundred years, for something rain he had never seen before, had never existed. It was the faith of Abraham who believed he'd give son, a birth to his son, even though he was a hundred years old. 
It was a faith of Joshua who saw the walls of Jericho fall down flat, even though the odds were against him. It was faith that, that even though impossible circumstances, and yet, just like we talked about Sunday, you know, move forward. Tell the why Christ on to move me. Tell the children of Israel move forward. We're, we're not going to. It, it looked impossible. Move forward where? Just move forward. Let God finish the job. But get busy doing it. And so that takes faith, though. And we need to have our faith strengthened. He has that power to strengthen us. Philippians four thirteen, very well known verse. Uh, I can do all things through Christ who strengtheneth me. He's the one that gives us that strength. It's our duty to grow strong in our faith, and God strengthens that faith through His grace. His purpose in that strengthening is done in such a way that we may not boast. And sometimes we're not, it's not recognized by others, and uh, it's not for, to, to lift ourselves up. It's not to inflate our egos. It is so that we may accomplish the works that He has for us to fulfill. Ephesians 2.10 For we are His workmanship. Created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. So he has the power to strengthen us. He has a purpose in strengthening us. Uh, Luke 22, 20, uh, 32, But I have prayed for thee, talking to Peter, if you remember the setting here, uh, he said Satan wants to sift all of you like wheat, and then he says to Peter, But I have prayed for thee, that thy faith fail not, and when thou art converted, strengthen thy brethren. By the way, totally not connected, but this is a place in the Bible where the these and thous are very important. A lot of different versions say that they, they're old-fashioned, they don't matter. Uh, you in the Bible is always plural. Uh, thee in the Bible is singular. And if you read that passage, he says, Satan has desire, desired to sift you as wheat. You, talking to the disciple. But then he turns to Peter, but I have prayed for thee, singular, Peter, that thy faith fail not when thou converted, strengthen thy brethren. Just a side note there. But uh, Jesus' purpose for Peter's faith was to be a source of strength to the other disciples after his repentance. Now, we become mature believers, or should be working toward that. We gain faith, we grow in grace, not to benefit ourselves, but to have a positive impact on others, win others to Christ, bring others in. And so we are strengthened for service. That's the purpose behind the strengthening. So we have grace for suffering, grace for strengthening, and then finally, grace for settling. I like that word uh, as he in our text where he says that after you've suffered a while, verse 10, make you perfect, establish, strengthen, settle you. Peter's here talking about being settled. Uh, not just physically, but spiritually. Uh, we need a settling, don't we? Wouldn't you like to just on a national, national television right now just say, Calm down, people. You know we need a settling. We need a. We need to be. There's a lot of, a lot of just uh, anger and and these these things going on in the world around. The Christian doesn't have to get wrapped up in that. We can be settled. We can be established. He says as well, uh, settled on a foundation. There is no structure is stronger than the foundation on which it's built. No structure. Uh, the bigger the building is, the deeper the foundation has to go. And when your life is unsettled, it's because you are not properly foundationed, if that's a word. Uh, God's Word is our foundation. That's God's Word, and that's our foundation. We need to put that on it. Uh, 
you've ever seen a picture of the Leaning Tower of Pisa, maybe you've seen it. I've, I've never been there, but I've uh, seen pictures of it. Uh, this is the one of the world's most famous landmarks. Uh, began in the year 1173 is when they began building that tower. And uh, But the foundation, it was a 185 feet tall tower. The foundation only went down 10 feet. And this was a problem. The word Pisa means marshy land. Now, if you, wanted, if you wanted to build a tower, probably the best idea is not to go, hey, let's go build on marshy land. But that's what they did. And this marshy, unstable soil began to shift with the weight of the tower before it was ever even completed. And so it's actually always been leaning even before it was finished. Massive engineering effort went into place in the 1960s, the 1990s, where they counterbalanced and they had to redo, uh, had to reshape the ground. They had to anchor, use anchor lines and all these different things. Uh, and it would have collapsed without that. It's the same way for our lives. If we don't anchor ourselves, if we don't have the proper foundation, we're going to be very shaky. God gives us the Bible as our foundation, and it is the only sure foundation for our lives. Fox News is not a sure foundation, uh, and we could go on down a whole list of things that are not sure foundations. The Word of God is. We need to base our actions, our opinions, our philosophies on the Word of God. Many believers today are spiritually so illiterate spiritually that they don't recognize what the normal Christian life is and how to live it. Make sure that your life is built on the unchanging Word of God. Uh, God's Word is our foundation. It's also our stabilization. Uh, as, as we read this passage here, these words here have suffered a while, make you perfect, establish, strengthen, settle you. Uh, we are to be stable. Uh, we are to be settled uh, on the Word of God. Our service is only effective if we stable ourselves. A child, I love watching my grandkids learn to walk. And if when, when I see them at that stage when they just can about do it, not quite, and they're so, I mean, it doesn't take much. You just push them, not that I do, but you could just push them a little bit and they fall right over, you know, uh, because they're not stable. They are very unstable and easily moved. And we're going to make an impact on people. Spiritually, we need to be sta stable. If you have not grown in your faith since the day you've gotten saved, you're, 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 you're a spiritually a child, a baby. It doesn't matter how old you are. You're spiritually a baby if you haven't grown. And so we need to grow. The Bible gives us the stability in our lives that we can live as God wants us to live. We also need to be settled on a person. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 11 for other foundation can no man lay than that is laid, which is Jesus Christ. That's where our foundation, we need to be settled in him. Paul compared himself to a builder, said no foundation other than the relationship with Christ can serve as a basis for a godly life. Church membership, uh, service, good works, all those types of things, those are all good things. They're not going to substitute for a relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. That relationship is the foundation for life. Turn to Matthew 16, <clears throat> Matthew chapter 16. Uh, you know this, this is the passage where at the founding of the church, Matthew 16, 17, and Jesus answered and said unto him, Blessed art thou, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood hath not revealed it 
unto thee, but my Father which is in heaven. And again, I also say unto thee that thou art Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Jesus is the rock that has never shaken or moved. Uh, if you build your life, your relationship on him, then you have a basis for a successful and a settled life. Make sure that your life is built on the Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus told Peter that he would uh, build his church on the rock. The rock meaning him, the son of God, not Peter. Okay, as some religions mistakenly interpret this. Uh, Jesus is the church's one foundation, the cornerstone. Uh, Peter was a pebble. Jesus was the cornerstone. The church is not built on a man, but it is built on the finished work of our Savior. 1 Corinthians 10.4 And did all drink the same spiritual drink? For they drank that spiritual rock that followed them, and that rock was Christ. That's where our, our foundation is to be built as well. And so God gives us daily grace. It comes through here. Let me just ask you, are you in here every day? You need to be in here every day. We need to be, uh, whether it's, whether it's uh, on a plan, on a program, on a devotional book, however it is that you use, this needs to be opened and read every day because that's the way we get it. I can't give it to you. I wish I could bottle it up. I'd probably keep it all for myself if I could, but I, I wish I could give it to you, but I can't. It has to come from the Word of God. So grace provides a place of rest. Establish. Again, I love those words. Establish and uh, gives us a place of stability and rest in an unsettled world. Grace helps provide help in a time of suffering. We all go through suffering. We all have conflict in our lives. Grace provides strength for our faith. And grace provides a short, uh, I mean, a uh, sure and settled foundation for our lives. Now the question tonight is, are you resting in God's grace? Uh, don't depend on your own. Uh, I have found the more that we experience God's grace, the more grace we have with others. Because it tends to, tends to roll, you know, our, my cup runneth over, and so if we fill up, we can run over on others. And I uh, often wonder sometimes as I see people who seem to have no grace for anyone, uh, how much are they experiencing God for themselves? Because the closer we draw to Him, the more that we can have an impact on others. So I hope that that is a help. Uh, it's a great passage out of 2 Peter there. It would be a big help to us. So let's go to the Lord in prayer as we